Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Remember again, uh, we looked at uh, the latter half of verse 16 last week. Uh, it was a bit of a downer, <laughs> okay? Uh, only because I wanted to get that out of the way so we can actually focus on uh, the heart of what the Apostle John was trying to bring to us. Uh, and I want to begin in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16. He says, If anyone sees his brother or sister sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he, God, will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. I just think that is tremendous uh, that you can actually ask for life. And uh, what I want to do is, I, I, I was sort of looking for some direct examples of this. I couldn't really find anything <laughs> that was uh, sufficiently, that, that, was, made, that made me happy. I don't know how else to put it, okay? Uh, uh, and uh, what I did was look for things that show it in different ways. Amen. So I really need you to sort of stay focused today. If I can get to it, we'll see if we can actually get to it. Um, notice, first of all, that the type of sin that is being committed here is an outward sin to where it can be seen by others. Notice he says again, if anyone sees his brother or sister sinning a sin which does not lead to death. Do you all see that? Amen. It's not something that's hidden. It is something that is actually seen. So that is a key thing. Uh, with Colin G. Cruz saying that the fact that the reader may see a fellow believer fall into sin indicates that the sin is obs observable, not some in internal attitude. Okay, so in other words, this isn't, you know, any of those internal sins that Proverbs uh, chapter 6 talks about. One of them, there, there are some internal and some external in that one. But, you know, when it talks about, for example, um, a heart that devises wicked plans, Remember that? You can't see that. You know, people can be scheming and you don't know what all they, what's going on in there, okay? But there are signs that you can pick up, such as what the Proverbs goes on to talk about, which is a proud look. Now, that's something you can see. You know, people say, look at your funny, you know, okay? <laughs> all right? People can actually let you know what's going on on the inside of them through what you can see on their face and also what it goes on to say, Things like a lying tongue, well, we all know that. If you hear somebody saying something you know is not the truth, you know that that's an outward thing. You know what I'm trying to say? Amen. Or hands that shed innocent blood, don't need to qualify that one. Or feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, all of those things. See, you, you, can, see the re you can see that. You, you sort of know, hey, I saw that person going and doing something they shouldn't be doing, <laughs> okay? And those are things that he is talking about. If you see a brother or a sister sinning, okay, a sin that is going to lead to death, something that is going to cause them, um, it may not be physical death necessarily, but it's going to lead them down a path that takes them away from the life of God. Can I, can I say it that way? Amen? However, we will look at a case where somebody actually died. Da, da, da. Okay, and, and, you know, and then we'll move on, okay? Because <laughs> right. I really want to deal with this on, on every level, if I can. Um, praise God, that's why you're here. All right, so even though God hates these sins, He still loves the people. Now, that's a real key thing. See, this is where we really need to separate the sin from the sinner. We tend to lump them together sometimes. We see the person that is committing the sin as the sin. And so we want judgment to come down on them for the sin 
And notice that we are calling down judgment for the sin on them. Did you all get that? Okay. And we need to be careful because the more we begin, the more we learn about the way the devil works, the more we begin to realize that is exactly what he wants. You know, if he can get the body of Christ destroying itself, get, get some believer to do something stupid, and they know it was stupid, <laughs> okay? And you saw it, and then you start praying against them. Well, he's got his work done. Don't do anything else. No, you're shooting him down with your mouth. Death and life, Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. We really need to understand that isn't just one of those, you know, uh, figurative statements. It's a literal statement. You know, <laughs> anyway, I, I, if I start on that, we'll never quit. Okay, so <laughs> there is power in your words. Can I say that? Amen. Okay. Uh, so let, let's get back to this. Even though God hates these sins, he still loves the people. And therefore, we, we can still pray for these people as long as they haven't rebelled against God. Remember again? Uh, uh, we talked about that before, the children of the devil, okay, uh, and committing the sin that Lucifer committed, okay. As long as they're not doing that, we can pray for them according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, where the apostle Paul says, praying always with all manner or kinds of prayer and supplications in the spirit. Now, I don't want to go any further because there's other things there, but understand that there are times when you can pray in the spirit with all manner of prayer, which means there's all kinds of prayers you can pray. You know, and, and this is a, one, one of the things that, you know, if you only know to pray one kind of prayer, you need to learn about some of the others. Amen. There's intercessory prayer. There's prayer of agreement. There's prayer of binding and loosing. I could keep going. I did a whole course on it. You know? <laughs> you know? And some days, you know, one doesn't work, try something else. You know, if the supplication doesn't work, bind something. If that doesn't work, loose something. You know, I mean, just keep going down the list. Do it. Something will work. Till somewhere you'll hit something. Amen? Okay, anyway, like I said, don't want to go down that road either because there's a lot of uh, things that we can talk about regarding prayer. In other words, we must not use 1 John 5.16 as an excuse not to pray for people who we deem, we deem unworthy hello, and undeserving of our prayers just because they may be involved in something that might be dis distasteful or offensive to us on a personal level. Now, I've said that because that's really what causes us to stop praying for someone or, or dissuades us from praying for someone. If it, if it affects us on a personal level, can I get an amen? You know, I mean, are we so righteous that we look at everything that's going on out there and says that's offensive to God, so I'll pray about it. Yeah, you know, people do all kind of thing out there until it hits home to you. When it upsets you, then we want to pray, <laughs> okay? And, and, you know, I don't want to say that in a negative way. Praise God, because a lot of times when you get that call to prayer, it means you have a passion to pray for that. And we want you praying because you've got a passion to pray. Not because you bless God, have to pray, and then you won't pray with all of your heart. And Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, if your heart isn't involved in it, mountains will remain where they are. That's a reverse application of that verse, <laughs> okay? But if, you, if your heart is in it, mountains will move. Amen? So, amen to that. So, let's continue on. Uh, <clears throat> I've said this as well. Remember again that 1 John 1, 9 covers all of these things. Anything that a believer may do, anything that, you know, any sin they may commit, there is forgiveness. If we confess, if we acknowledge our sin, He is faithful and just 
to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all righteousness. And therefore, we need to do the same thing for them. <laughs> okay? If God's going to forgive them, then so should we. Can I get an amen on that? Oh, okay. CX. Never mind. All right. <laughs> of course, as John MacArthur points out in his commentary, failure to repent of and forsake sin may eventually lead to physical death for the believer this time. Now, remember last time we looked at the apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, okay? He was headed down a road. I believe with all of my heart that his life would have ended had he not repented. Because he was, he, Jesus said, why are you attacking me? Why do you persecute me? You know, when the Lord appears to you and says stuff like that, you all better listen. Because the next thing is, you're gone. Say, say goodbye. Check your will. You know what I mean? All right. <laughs> all right. But I, what I want to do is, because Apostle John is talking about believers, I want to go and look at an example of a, of a believer, and I want to show you why he talks about this, this sin that leads to death. He is not playing. He's not mincing his words here. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. I want to begin reading in verse 1. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, you all know this story, okay? With Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Verse 2. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Notice there are believers, they're bringing money to God. Okay, all right. But Peter said, Ananias, I'm in verse 3, why has Saul, uh, Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now, let me stop there for a second and explain what's just happened. They've sold something. And see, what was happening at the time was the believers were bringing all of their resources together to help each other out. It was a very difficult time. Okay, and so they would, you know, they would come and they said, this is everything I've got. It's like the widow with the two mites, you know. They held nothing back. They just brought everything and laid it at the, at, and said, let's use it for the common good. Whoever is hungry, whoever is starving, so on and so forth. And so the, the, the thing was, these two wanted to look like those kind of people. Now, the, the reason that he's, um, uh, who is it, uh, Peter says, uh, why, ha why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit is obviously then they were saying we sold the land and this is everything we got. Okay, we're gonna, he's going to explain this in a minute. All right. So that's, I need you to get that before we continue. Okay. All right. Let's continue. He says, verse 4, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own to control? In other words, he said, listen, that was your land. What money you got for it was yours. It didn't matter if you wanted to keep it or give it away. But what we didn't like, and obviously now we can see what's going on, he's saying is for you to sell it, get a certain amount, keep some back, and then come and say, oh, this was everything. That was wrong. He, they, he, they could have said, we kept some back for our needs this is what we could afford to give. And it would have been blessed. And God would have multiplied it. And all sorts of amazing things would have happened. Watch now. Because they wanted to look good, they lost everything. And they're going to see it's everything. Okay, let's continue. 
And he says, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Ouch. All right. Because God sees and knows everything. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. He died. Okay. So, so great fear came upon all those who heard these things. So this is what the apostle John means. That if a person has committed a sin that is unto death, you can ask for life for those kind of people. Now, I want you to notice when he said death, he literally meant death. Because this stuff had happened. Notice this is before he wrote his, by the way. He, <laughs> let me do a by the way instead of notice. Okay, by the way, this, this happened before he wrote his epistle. This was in the book of Acts. Okay, this is right after the, uh, Jesus had died and it's just a continuation on from there. The church began and so on and so forth. His epistle comes much later on. John, the apostle John was one of the youngest apostles of the group. Okay, and so we know when he wrote his epistle, he was quite old. So we know all of this had happened. So he is looking at all of this and he's saying, I know what I'm talking about. I saw this happen. Okay, all right, or know of it. Okay, one, one way or the other. Let's continue. Verse 6, and the young, man, the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Oh, it was the end of him. Verse 7, now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her. Remember, she knew what was going on. Remember how he said that? Okay. Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Now, you know the amount that he is quoting now is the amount that Ananias had said, this is all we got for it. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Did you get that? So they had agreed that we're going to go to church and we're going to tell the pastor that we sold our land and this is everything we got for it in front of the whole church. So they'll go, oh, they're so good. They're amazing. Wow. I think, you know, if we did it, we probably would have held something back, you know. Horrible us. Hello. See how you can bring condemnation in what you do as unto God, so to speak, if you're not careful. Anyway, let's get back to this. And uh, he says here, uh, I'll repeat again, how is it that you have agreed to, uh, to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of who, uh, those who have buried your husband are at the door. They had just finished and come back. And they will carry you out. Oh, man. And then, verse 10, then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in. And they're going, my God, another one? <laughs> you know? it takes a lot to dig a hole. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to say. Came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her at, by her husband. So great fear came upon all uh, the church and upon all who feared these things. Now, I, you know, I don't want to say that to sink your boat, okay? I, <laughs> I'm just saying to you, there is sin that leads to death. When the Apostle John talks about that, he's not talking, you know, in a figurative way. He's talking in a very literal way. Amen? Are you all with me? Okay. And so, he wants us to take this seriously, and we need to take it seriously. We may not drop dead, but can I just say, as I said before, we separate ourselves from the life of God. And can I say that in the life of God, see, everything, everything that exists came from God, from His life. He breathed life into everything. And we, if, when we ever separate ourselves from that, we literally begin to die. 
Are you all with me? Amen. And that spiritual death then leads to physical death. Needless to say, because the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. As soon as you separate yourself from that life, you separate yourself from that protection and you're open to attack. Now, when that steal, killing and destroys happens, it will depend on the enemy. But it's there. You're susceptible. Are you all here? Amen. You might say, well, I know this all right. Okay, so the devil hasn't got to them yet. <laughs> okay, is all I'm saying. It's just, and he may never. But the thing is, and you know, the devil targets people that are a problem to him, generally. You're here? But then all kind of other things can happen while you're out there. It's a dangerous world because it's fallen. Amen? All right, let's move on. I've said you now, had they repented, listen, 1 John 1, 9 would have kicked in. Has she said, I'm sorry, we lied? There would have been a different story here. Amen? All right. I've said here again, First John 1-9 would have kicked in and this would never have happened. As was evident in the case of King David, when he sinned with Bathsheba and indirectly murdered her husband. I mean, he was piling it on. I mean, these people just held money back. This guy went the whole distance. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> okay. As soon as Nathan the prophet confronted him with it, instead of trying to hide it like Sapphira did, okay, he acknowledged his sin and it says in 2 Samuel 12, 13, listen, he says, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Can you see this? Okay, he said, I, he confessed it straight away. He could have said, no, 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 you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Because he told him a little story about a lamb and a little lamb, a ewe lamb. Okay, that's a little lamb. Okay, and, 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 and this whole story about one man had all of these, you know, lambs and the other one just had one little one and this guy came in and took that one. You know, what would you do to that guy? And he said, I would kill him. He goes, yeah, you're the one. <laughs> so obviously he pronounced his own death sentence. As soon as Nathan said, you're the man, he said, I've sinned. He could have said, I don't know what you're talking about, but he said, I'd sinned. So watch what happened. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. First John 1, 9 happening right there. Just because it wasn't written yet didn't mean it, was, it wasn't already working. Amen. I just thank God the Apostle John actually wrote it down so we could actually see it and understand what was going on. Amen. Therefore, there is always forgiveness and life as long as we are honest and transparent before God and repent of our sins. Can I get an amen? All right. Jesus himself said, I want to talk about this life aspect, said that the thief comes not but for to kill, to steal and destroy. I told you this before. He will come and he will, he will rain destruction on anybody that opens the door to him. Did you hear me? We open the door to him. God never does. We're the ones who do this. And I'm going to show you proof of that in just a minute as well. And this life, but notice Jesus went and said, I have come that they might have life. Notice that Jesus came to give us life. In light of what the Apostle John is saying, that if you pray, God will give you life for that person. Jesus said, I have come to give you life. If Jesus came to give us life, then we can ask for life for others. Get it? Not only receive life from Him, but we can take that life and, and minister it to other people. Now, we need, to, we, we need to get a hold of this. I've said here, let me just read my, my I'm going to repeat myself, but forgive me. I've said, and this life is there for all those who wish to receive it, and also for those who want to do, as the Apostle John said, and intercede and ask for it on behalf of others. 
Did you get that? Amen? Okay. We see an outstanding example of how powerful this can be. I want you to see the power behind this in Ezekiel chapter 22. Let's go there. You haven't heard these verses. <laughs> okay. Now I'm going to jump uh, uh, into the New Living Translation and then to the uh, King James Version, back to the New Living Translation because of clarity and because I want to bring things across. I was just saying to Pastor Verdi this morning, I use different translations because we can, we, you know, we can use the translation to help us tell the story and bring the truth out that we need. Thank God for the translations. People always say, why don't we just have one? Well, this is why. Okay. <laughs> verse 24. Ezekiel 22, verse, beginning in verse 24 from the New Living Translation. It says, Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. In the day of my indignation, you will become like an uncleared wilderness or a desert without rain. Verse 25. Your princes, listen, this is why he's mad. He says, your princes plot conspiracies. Just as lions stalk their prey, they devour innocent people, seizing treasure and extorting wealth. They increase the number of widows in the land. They're killing people off. Verse 26, it didn't stop there. That, that was the princes, okay? Now we get to the priests, all right? He says, your priests have violated my laws, defiled my holy things. To them, there is no difference between what is holy and what is not. Sounds like some of the things today, huh? Okay, and they do not teach my people the difference between what is ceremonial, ceremonially clean and unclean. This is a big thing back then because Jesus hadn't come yet, okay? They, dis, they disregard my Sabbath days so that my holy name is greatly dishonored among them. When they talk about Sabbath days, is in all the stuff that the people that go crazy with Sabbath is talking about. All the do's and the don'ts. I know somebody was, you know, came up to our church and was just carrying on about that. Do you know, had I had the wisdom that I have now, I would have said the whole point about the Sabbath is to remember the Lord your God. That was it. It has nothing to do with do's and don'ts. And if you're stuck in the do's and don'ts, you are just like the Old Testament people that didn't get it. When Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Get it right. Anyway, moving on. Like I said, we could preach on all kinds of things here. <laughs> Verse 27. So we've seen the princes, we've seen the priests. Check out the leaders. Okay, verse 27. Your leaders are like wolves who tear apart their victims. They actually destroy people's lives for profit. Wow. This is a bad society. Can we, can we agree? Oh, we haven't finished yet. And your prophets, dear God. Okay. Announce false visions and speak false messages. Listen. They say, my message is from the sovereign Lord when the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them. Ooh. They repair cracked walls with whitewash. You know, in other words, they don't actually fix things. They just patch them up. Make it look nice. Moving on. You know, you just think it couldn't get any worse. Verse 29. I mean, we're just working down the ranks. Even common people oppress the poor. I mean, geez. This is like your neighbors, okay? Rob the needy and deprive foreigners of justice. You know, people that are from outside of their land. They just let them get ripped off and they do the ripping off, okay? Sound like the temple at Jerusalem. Anyway, okay. Listen, I want to say all of that to say this. Verse 30. I'm going to read from the King James now, by the way. Listen to what this verse says. And I sought, this is God talking, and I sought for someone 
among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. After everything they have done, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Can you believe this? Can you believe that God was still looking for somebody to intercede for this bunch of people that were doing absolutely everything wrong? I mean, the priests were all crooked, the princes, the leaders, the common people, the prophets were saying stuff that God never said. I mean, oh, if I looked out and said, let's just take them out. There's nothing, I mean, only the, probably the, the dogs and the cats can live. But everything else, <laughs> if it has a brain, you know, and it's, it's standing on two feet, it probably sinned. It really sounds like that. Sounds like everybody in that place was bad. And God doesn't exaggerate. Hello. Can you see the lengths? This is, this is what I want to bring to you. Can you see the lengths that God goes to, even though the land may be so bad? You know, if, th that's why we need to be careful as Christians how we pray. We see something, God, take it down, God, kill them all, you know. <laughs> okay? Listen, man, we need to pray God's will. There are some things that shouldn't be there, but we need to rescue the people before we take the thing down. You know what I'm trying to say? Don't sink the boat until you have some life rafts. <laughs> okay? So, but I want you to notice that even in the midst of all of this, God says, I'm looking. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I would not be looking. But he says, I'm still looking. It says for a man, but it's anyone, okay? It says, I'm looking for someone to stand in the gap and to pray. I think that's, don't you think that's extraordinary? Can you now see why the Apostle John says that you can go ask God for life? Because if God is willing to, to allow these people to live, dear God, you and your little sin don't matter that much. Seriously, no matter how bad you think you've sinned, there's life for you. Amen? And if you don't know to ask, then somebody who knows should ask on your behalf. And one day you'll be that somebody asking for someone else. You know, whatever seed has been planted in your life will grow. And you will do the same for others. Hallelujah. Um, and it's only after all of this, verse 31 says, So now I will pour out. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, verse 31. He says, So now I will pour out my fury on them, consume, consuming them in the fire of my anger. I will heap on them the full penalty. Watch this, the full penalty for all their sins. They're going to get what they deserve. But had somebody prayed, there would, be, there would have been mercy and grace. Do you understand the difference? When you stand in the gap, you stop what is deserving. You don't stop God just out of, I got up on the wrong side of the bed or the throne or whatever. I want to curse something and kill something. That's not the way God is. God is love. <laughs> okay? Some people may preach him that way, but he's not like that. Okay? He is love. And he's looking for every which way to bless you. And I tell you something, if when you ask on behalf of someone, especially when they're doing the wrong thing, and you're saying, God, I'm standing in the gap, God sees you as a person after his own heart. He's not looking to destroy everything. He created all things. He loves everything. And he wants to restore all things, not destroy it all. Amen? Are you all with me? All right. I've said here, it is incredible how long-suffering God is and the lengths He will go to to restore a person or an entire society regardless of how dreadfully they may have sinned against Him. 
Amen. Okay. Now, accordingly, in his commentary, I Howard Marshall makes this makes the point. Let it be plainly said. Please listen. Are you all awake? Wake up now if you're half asleep. Okay, now, this is a good one, all right? <laughs> he says, let it be plainly said that if, if there was no forgiveness for deliberate sins, then we would all be under God's condemnation. Amen. Amen. Okay, notice he said deliberate sins. All right, we knew and we did it anyway. All right, okay. We'd all be under condemnation. All right. Hence, oh, where were we? Uh, for, for which of us has not sinned deliberately since our conversion and new birth? I like this man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hence, <laughs> hence, there is always the danger. Now, this is the, this is the, okay, this is the warning. He says, hence, there is always the danger, listen, that a person who sins unconsciously or unwittingly may move to the point of sinning deliberately. And then of turning his back completely on God and the way of forgiveness. See, now he's, he's, he's bringing something out that is very significant. He's saying, you know, you might start out unwittingly or un unknowingly sinning, but if somebody doesn't intercede, somebody doesn't get in there and somebody doesn't help you out, you, you, we have to be careful and be on watch out for that, you know, on watch out for those sort of things so that they don't then slip into this other area of they start to deliberately sin and then they get to the point where they separate themselves from God because they're so into it. Are you all with me? Amen. You know, I always said this and I'll continue to say it. The best place to stop sin is when you first think about it. Not when you first do it. <laughs> okay. But when you first think about it, rebuke the thought. I, and I'm not just talking about some horrendous sin, like I want to go rob the store or, you know, shoot somebody or something. I mean, just when it comes to the place where, you, you know, you start to worry about something. Hello? Yeah, we usually let that run its course, don't we? Oh my God, what am I going to do? And we let it go. We, we, we're sinning now, by the way. When God said, I will meet all of you need according to, uh, all of you need according to my riches in glory, by Christ Jesus. Yeah, but... Okay, the, 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 what we're meant to do is go and rebuke that thought. As soon as you go, oh my gosh. Now, what you need to do is say, Lord, is there something I'm missing? Do I need to do something? I, it, don't worry about things. But I said, that doesn't mean that you are devoid of responsibility because some people took cares and responsibility, put them in the same bucket and threw them out. And they became irresponsible people that nobody had anything to do with, didn't want to have anything to do with. You know, it's the kind of person that you go, oh, forget about them. Okay, and then there was the other group that was both responsible and full of care. And they'd be going around wringing their hands. Oh my God, what are we going to do? You know, we understand about faith and all, but we have to be real. Yeah. Now, hang on. What, what, what do you mean by real? Because Hebrews tells us that faith is the substance of real, of things hoped for, the evidence, the real, of things not seen. Where's your real? My real is in another realm that manifests and takes care of things. What are you doing? Are you taking the problem and making it the real thing that is never going to change? When, when 2 Corinthians 4.18 tells why we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen, because the things that are seen are changeable. They're temporary. They're changeable. Things that are not seen, they're eternal. They will change those things. But if your mouth makes them permanent, well, they're going to stay with you for the rest of your life. So be careful. That's why I said rebuke the thought. 
Amen. Just whenever it turns up, just go and rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. And then check with the Lord, you know. Just say, Lord, am I forgetting something? Do I need to do something? And he goes, no, it's all good. Leave it alone. That was just the devil trying to mess with you. (laughs) Okay. Can I just say this? Look back on your life. All the times that you went through something, all the trauma that you experienced over something, and and still God came through and looked after it. What if you didn't go through all the trauma? What if you just took the events and thought, okay, that event happened and then God took care of it. And in the middle, I didn't care. Like I didn't worry about it. I didn't carry the weight of it. I wasn't complaining to everybody about it. And then God took care of it anyway. How much different would have it been? All the stuff you went through, you put yourself through. You let the devil get in your head. God was still working. And thank God somebody was praying and it happened. Anyway, in spite of you. <laughs> That's us standing in the gap. Hallelujah. That's what you do for so many other people. Amen. I know that's nobody here, but you are probably the person that got them through. And they didn't need to worry the whole way there. Anyway, where was I? I got to finish this, man. Uh, (laughs) So I've said here, hence there's always a danger that a person who sins unconsciously or unwittingly may move to the point of sinning deliberately and then turning his back completely on God and the way of forgiveness. Because of this danger, it is essential that the Christians should pray for one another, lest any of their number should cross the line that leads to open and deliberate rejection of the way of life. Isn't this great? I love this. No sin is of such a kind as to prevent forgiveness. I love that. There's nothing that cannot be forgiven. Do you hear me? Now, I know what we talked about the unforgivable sin, but that's only when this happens. When you cross that line and you are, you're in the place where you don't want forgiveness for what you're doing. Did you get that? Because God, God cannot forgive you if you go, I don't want you to forgive me. I'm happy with what I'm doing. Leave me alone. Oh, we're in trouble now. Okay. And I said again, uh, pro- he says again, provided that we repent of all sin. When we do this, we have God's promise that he will hear our prayers. Amen? Amen. How are we going? How much time do I have left? Okay, we're done. All right. But <laughs> uh, we're going to go on to verse 17. I was going to try to get to it today, but let's leave it for next week because I've got a page and a half worth of stuff there. So let me finish with this uh, with the Full Life Study Bible, uh, its commentary says this. It says, uh, it explains what the Apostle John means. It gives us another uh, view of what, he, what he's talking about. Uh, when, uh, again, when he says that God will give him life for those who commit sin, by saying that life here means a restoration of spiritual strength and the grace of God which is being threatened by sin. I really like that. Okay, notice the two things, restoration of spiritual strength and the grace of God. I think those are two things that are important, essential in our life. You know, for us to do anything, we really need spiritual strength because we have a spiritual enemy. The devil is a spirit. He comes and attacks our motivations. He attacks our hopes. He attacks us on the inside. And that's the reason why we never do anything on the outside. You're with me? If he, you know, if he put you in crutches and you still had this, um, you know, <laughs> never die attitude, doesn't matter if you're in crutches or anything else, you'll still do it. You'll stick a pen in your mouth and start writing if you have to. You know what I'm trying to say? It's incredible what people will do when they're motivated. 
but you can have a perfectly healthy person, everything works, and they're demotivated and will do nothing. Are you all with me? And that's why this is so important. That's the strength that God comes to give you. That's the help He comes to give you. Amen? And we need that. Hallelujah. And some days, that's all you need to pray. You know, we are so... Uh, and let me finish with this. We might, let me rephrase it. We need to be careful that if we see somebody not doing much, that we don't just categorize them as lazy and then leave them there. That is a person that requires motivation and direction. It's a funny thing when they have motivation and direction, how they just pop out and start moving. And it needs to be the things that God has called them to do because then He will continually motivate them and speak to them. And when His word comes, it comes with life. Amen? The, the power to do the thing. Praise God. All right. Let's leave it there for today. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom and the revelation that we are receiving. We thank you for the Apostle John for writing all of these things and helping us out. Helping us to see the importance, the seriousness of getting off track. And also, on the other side, the power of one of us praying for somebody that has got off track. The importance of praying for somebody that has got off track and help them to get back on track before they go so far that they don't want any help. And we just thank you, Lord, that we are not going to allow, the, now that we see this, we are not going to allow the enemy to have, do that kind of work in anybody's life. To have that kind of influence over anybody's life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.